We are here today for a brief moment of expression, but we will meet every week for the purpose of looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ and looking into his word. And so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles again to the book of Romans. And we've come to this final chapter. It's filled with greetings. And these greetings, frankly, are quite important. There's a great deal of significance in each one of them. And perhaps if the Lord ever allows me the opportunity to come back and actually finish the series in Romans, I'll be able to speak on those greetings. But today, there is one segment that is particularly important and meaningful to what we are really here for. When you love someone, you do whatever you can to protect them. You will do what you can to protect your child. You will do what you can to protect your mate. You will do what you can to protect your friends. And you will do what you can to protect your church. The Apostle Paul is writing to the believers, to the church at Rome. And he is telling them, I love you so much that I want to protect you. I want you to be safe spiritually. I want you to be protected from those influences that can come into a body of believers and destroy them. And so he tells us in these verses about the safeguards that Grace Baptist Church is going to need to establish and to embrace in order to be protected. He begins by telling us, I want you to all stay alert. You you can't allow yourself to fall into a stupor spiritually. The, The strength of a church is not dependent upon the pastor. Though he is an integral part of strengthening the body. But the strength of the church comes from the body itself. And what Paul is telling the church at Rome is that there are dangers out there of which you need to be aware. And you need to be alert. That's why he says in verse 17, now I urge you. That word urge means I am begging you. It's as if he is pleading to the church family to say, you have to be alert. You've got to be aware of what's going on. Why? Because there are dangers out there of which you may not be fully aware. Well, now we know that there are false doctrines that are being proclaimed all around us. There are people who are teaching things that they would call the Word of God that are not the Word of God, and they would have us believing that in addition to the full satisfactory sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins, there are things that we have to add to that in order to be accepted to God. And then there are some that completely deny the Word of God. They deny the, the, the deity and the, the identity of the person of Jesus Christ. And so he says, you have to be alert. 
Now, when we read through the book of Romans, we don't come across a variety of warnings like Paul gave to the believers in Corinth. There were a variety of different problems that the church was dealing with, a variety of different ways in which the church was looking in the wrong direction and allowing themselves to be deceived into thinking incorrect doctrine. But that isn't what you find at Rome. And so it's very possible that the church at Rome has not been hit yet with the dangers that Paul has already become very, very familiar with. He knows that there is an enemy who has in his crosshairs Grace Baptist Church. And he is waiting to find a weakness where he can attack. That's why when Paul was saying farewell to the elders at Ephesus, he made this statement to them. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock." Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. What he is saying is, there is danger at the door. And you have to be alert in order to protect yourselves. If Grace Baptist Church is going to continue to maintain a light in the community for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to defend against falsehood against deceivers, against those who would try to disrupt the work of God that is going on in this congregation. And so Paul gives that warning, and he says, listen, you have to identify these people. Look at what he goes on to say. I urge you, brethren, note those. Someone made mention, did you talk about the deer in my office, or was that Jeff? Who? Nobody did. (laughs) Somebody talked about shooting. Oh, it's on the video. Oh, okay. (laughs) See, this is why. Yeah, some of you said, well, why are you retiring? Now you know. Huh? What Paul is describing here when he says, note those, he is saying, take aim at and identify. The reason I was thinking about my, the, the deer head in my office, those of you who have come through the prospective members class, you've, you've seen that deer, that incredibly huge buck that most people would die for. Well, some of you who are vegans or vegans or however you pronounce that, you may not like this, but I shot that thing. And what happened was, as we were hunting, oh yes, it was Kim Markham from Wisconsin who, who made mention of that in the video, right? You guys didn't know who the, the man and the woman were. Those are two people from our, our first, the first church that I pastored. And Kim was hunting with me when, um, when I got that deer. But here, here's the way this happened, and I, I could really make this a long story, but I won't. But as I was sitting where I was waiting for deer to come by, I looked to the side and I saw deer starting to move across the field. And I scoped the first one and it was a doe. And I scoped the second one and it was a doe. And I scoped the third one and it was a doe. And I scoped the fourth one and it was a doe. 
and I scoped the fifth one, and I saw the biggest rack I can ever remember seeing while I was hunting. Needless to say, I just stood in awe and admired the beauty of that deer as it loped across the field. And then I ended its life. (laughs) And I shot. Because one in five was the one that needed to be targeted. And the Lord is telling us that very thought. You look at everyone who brings influence into your life and make sure it's the right influence. Doe, 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 doe. Truth, 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 truth. Error. And you let them have it. Note them. Some of you have to take a look at some of the people you listen to on the radio. Because they will teach you error. Not all. Some. I would encourage you to listen to WRMB. They have great preachers. I've never heard anything false taught on that radio station. Some of you think I'm paid by them. I am. No. Some of you listen to people on television that quite frankly are deceivers. And they will have you believing things that are not true and you need to identify them with a rack and pull the trigger. They're the wrong ones. Paul says, you identify those that come into this body and teach falsehood. And be careful from within our own congregation that there's not anyone who rises up and brings division and brings distrust and and minimizes the importance of the unity that, that we have simply because of the purpose that we have in glorifying Christ, the love that we have for one another, and the truth that's found in God's Word. You don't let that person continue. Because Paul goes on to say this, You note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned. And so he takes us now to the discerning element of understanding who these false teachers might be, and he wants us to identify them and to mark them out for who they are. Now some of you might say this, Well, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? Do you have something in mind? Well, yes I do, and no I don't. No, I don't for right now, but I'm going to tell you something. A few years ago, we had a false teacher here. He was not a formal teacher, but he was a young man who came in and challenged the truths of what were being said. There's no problem with having truth challenged. We ought to be able to defend truth. We ought to be able to say, this is what God has to say. But this young man began to challenge things to a point where... I have to be careful here because I don't know the exact reality of this. But I think he took one of our young men away. And it was a tragedy. Because there was falsehood. And there was deception. And there was division. And it can happen again. Please do not let that happen. We have to take a stand for truth 
And when the Lord says this, he, he brings us down to this statement, when you, you uh, see those who cause divisions and offenses, he's using a word that is like the, the uh, trigger on a trap. You know how if you set a trap and, and the animal steps on the trap and... The trap comes closed. He's talking about that, that little trigger in there. He says, watch out for those people who are the triggers that will take your folks away and deceive them. If this church is going to be what God wants it to be, you need to be alert. And then, as he goes on, and I didn't finish that, that uh, 17th verse because he takes us to a whole another level. He tells us that there's a way you treat these kinds of people. You avoid them. Notice, Urge, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses uh, contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. When your children are growing up, you don't tell them to kind of get to know how bad it is when the fire is on the stove and you say, well now, just touch it quickly so you know how hot that can be. Is that the way you do it? No. You say, don't Touch the stove. Keep your fingers out of the fire or off the, the, the electric great things. Don't even get near that. You stay away. Why? Because you want to protect your children. You don't want them getting hurt. And what the Lord is telling us through the Apostle here is this. When you find people who are not teaching the truth, not proclaiming truth, you avoid them. You get as far away from them as you possibly can. Listen to what Paul says elsewhere in the Scriptures when he's writing to the Thessalonians. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. If there is a brother in the church who is walking disorderly, you, you withdraw from him. You back away for several reasons. I want to read you another passage that Paul wrote, however, into Titus first. Reject a divisive man after the first and the second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Why is Paul telling us these things? For a variety of different reasons. One is... You avoid others as the best course of action I'm not sure I have this right. Oh yes, I do. Avoidance of this OK. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I'm a little anxious to get to the point, and some of you are probably saying, "Well, what is the point?" Um, what I'm trying to tell you is this. It is possible that smooth talkers can make their way into the congregation and begin to draw people after themselves for the purpose of their own benefit rather than the protection of the body of Christ. And you are protected if you will not give ear to the smooth talkers. You are protected if you will not let the divisive man gain your attention. One of the things that can happen when a church is in the process of looking for a new pastor is that people will become impatient, they will become suspicious, they will think that things are going on behind the scenes, and they will wonder what is happening. Quite frankly, here at Grace, rumors have a tendency to grow. 
and they can get really warped out of proportion. And I've already had people approach me and say, well, Pastor, do do you have any uh, candidates for the next pastor yet? And, And first of all, I'm not involved with any of the specifics. With general principles, I'll be glad to help, but when it comes to the specifics, it's the search committee that's going to do the work. And I know that one of our missionaries has already indicated that he has interest in being considered as the next pastor of Grace Baptist Church. That's about all I know. But here's what I want you to know. That search committee is going to come before you with regularity, and they are going to let you know what's going on. I'm going to tell you who they are. Because if you have a question, don't listen to somebody else, because a person, maybe even meaning well, can cause division in the body. The the search committee is Dave Geyer. Dave, where are you? Dave's up there. Um, Troy Utz. Troy is right over here. Um, Rich Ungerbuehler. Rich is at the the control. Um, Alicia Seagrave. She's in the cafeteria. And John Wilson. John's right here. Those five people are the people you talk to. Okay? Do you understand? Because if you want to know anything about what's going on with the search process, those are the five people who can tell you exactly what's going on because some people may become a little bit disgruntled and they might become the kind of talker who brings division to the body. And so you say, wait a minute, I don't want to hear this stuff. I'm going to go right to the search committee and find out what it is that's going on. And I think they're going to be giving you regular updates so that you know what's happening as well. It's the right way to do things. The Lord tells us that by avoiding the smooth talkers, we protect ourselves and on top of that, we isolate the deceiver. And I realize I am putting into a package here someone who doesn't fit the exact description of what we're reading in this passage. But I think it applies to what's going to be unfolding in the weeks ahead. Just don't listen to people who will be disgruntled, who will say, how come we don't have a pastor yet? Or why are we moving so quickly? Do you know what you do? You pray. And you ask God to give guidance and direction to this committee. And they will bring before you those of whom they want you to pray about and those that they will ask you to consider as a possible candidate for being the pastor. And so, my friends, just avoid those that would be divisive, that would be the smooth talkers, that would be those who aren't concerned about the unity and the love of the body for one another. As Paul goes on in this, he says, here's something else I want you to understand as a church, you believers at Rome. In order to be what you ought to be, it's going to take some determination Notice in verse 18, For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. What Paul is saying to the the believers at Rome is this, 
Just because you have a good start, it does not mean you're going to have a good finish. Do you want my evaluation of Grace Baptist Church? This is a place that loves the Lord, that loves the Word of God, that loves each other, and wants to serve Christ for His honor and glory. That's, that's how I perceive Grace Baptist Church. I can't imagine having a better send-off from you than what you are as a church. And I am truly grateful to the Lord for that. But just because you started well does not mean you will finish well. You're going to have to be very, very cautious. Do you remember a fellow by the name of Hezekiah? Hezekiah is the guy that uh, you, you pretend that he's one of the book writers of the scriptures so that when you have a, a sword drill, you know what a sword drill is? Everybody draws swords. You young people, do you guys know what that is? You, do you ever have sword drills? Draw swords. All right, turn to Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Who has it? I got it. Now I urge you, brethren, and then, then they read the verse. And then you'll, you'll say, turn to uh, uh, 3 John, verse 12. And then you'll throw out another verse, and then somebody will come along and say, turn to Hezekiah 7.14. Oh, there's no Hezekiah. Well, there was a Hezekiah, and he was a king. And he was a king who was a godly king, which was contrary to what was occurring um, in most of the, the kingdoms, in most of the kings that rose within the nation of Israel. And he started out with great victory over the Assyrians. God did a marvelous work that really took a, a huge invading army and destroyed them at the hands of Hezekiah and his army. And then Hezekiah, having this wonderful interaction with the Lord, and this wonderful opportunity to, to faithfully be involved in carrying on the Lord's work, became sick one day. And his sickness was unto death. And the Lord told the prophet, go tell Hezekiah he's going to die. And the prophet told him, and Hezekiah wept. And he began to ask the Lord that he would spare him. And the Lord did. The Lord said, I will give him 15 more years of life. It would have been better had he died. Because he opened up the door for the Babylonians to come in and take Judah and Benjamin captive. He showed them everything that he owned in the nation of the, the southern tribe of Judah. He showed them the wealth. He showed them all of the, the, the beautiful things that had been accumulated. And the Babylonians, the Bible tells us, remembered that. And the day came, they came back, and they conquered Judah and took those things. There was a fellow by the name of Asa who with an army came against an Ethiopian army twice his size. He prayed and God gave deliverance. But later in his life, he became ill and did not seek the Lord, but sought instead the physicians when God wanted him to come to him. And then when he was warned about his 
inappropriate involvement in, in seeking worship. The Lord said to him, he said, now it's time for you to die. And Asa, who had started out so well, lost his life in disrepute. Is that a right word? He had failed the Lord. And so the Lord said, it's time to come home. When you have a good start, it does not mean you will have a good finish. You know what? I'm telling you all these things to get to this. Please, by the grace of God, stay true to Him. Stay true to His Word. Stay true to those doctrines. And and I don't say this with any self-focus. The things you have been taught are true. Stay true to those. Will you? See, here's the issue. I love you. I love you. And I don't want to see you hurt. I don't want the day to come when someone says, have you heard what happened at Grace? And I'd say no, and then they would give me a bad report. What I want to hear is, hey, did you hear what happened at Grace? Many, many people have been coming to Christ as their Savior. They've been declaring that faith through the waters of baptism. They're embracing the truth of God's Word, not only by faithfully attending the morning service, but by being involved in the Sunday school class and in the small groups. And when they're not involved in another ministry, they gather with the brethren to pray together because they know that prayer is the way God's heart is opened and the blessings flow from Him. That's what Paul was asking the believers. Be determined. Be strong. Because you've started well, finish well. Then he says this to them. I want you to be strengthened because you're wise about what's good and you're simple about what's evil. Um... Listen, how do you know what's good? You learn the truth. In order to learn and to live for what is good and what is right, you study the Word of God, you discipline yourself, and you embrace those truths that those who have proclaimed the truth throughout the ages have continued to proclaim and declare. And you experience the reality of who God is so that you can stand and be strong and help another generation of individuals who are going to be coming along. Do you notice he also says this, I want you to be simple about that which is evil. Do you realize there is no virtue in being streetwise? Do you know that? There is no virtue in understanding every dirty joke you hear. That's not virtuous. Virtue is being pure and being clean. And so the Lord makes it clear, I want you to be wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning evil. And then he concludes with this. 
In verse 20, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. What is he talking about? He's saying, just be patient. This life is short. But the truth of what God has declared in His Word is going to come to pass, and what is going to happen is the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Why? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. He's teaching us that our eternal peace can be threatened by sin. And may I just say this to those of you who are here today, perhaps not knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior that the sin that separates us from our God, that brings about condemnation, that brings about a separation from that which is true, is sin that was dealt with at the cross of Calvary. God dealt with your sin and mine when Jesus died on the cross. And if your sin is ever going to be forgiven you have to come to the cross. You have to put your trust in Christ. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day. And the Bible teaches us that apart from that sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sin. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul put it this way in verse 9 of Romans chapter 5, much more than having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. May I invite you to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior right now. Right now. To recognize that your sin separates you from God for all eternity. And that Jesus Christ took the punishment of that sin upon Himself and died in your place, was buried and rose again from the dead so that if you will trust Him, the Bible says He will forgive your sins, He will give you eternal life, and you'll be able to live your lives for the praise of His honor and glory. I trust that you will trust Him. The final thing is this, and I would like to leave this with you as perhaps a word of encouragement. Our present peace depends upon our confidence in the plan that God has established. You may go through hard times. You may face trials. You may even experience hardship. But here's something I want you to know. Everything that the Lord has said is true. And the day is coming when those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior will pass into eternity into the presence of Christ. And then the day will come when Christ will come back and establish His kingdom upon this earth and there will be peace and there will be righteousness and there will be justice and there will be truth and there will be godliness 
And then the day will come when those who don't accept what God provides, who will rise up against him, and he will destroy them. And then the Bible says he will create a new heaven and a new earth, and we will be with him forever. Are you happy about that? May I encourage you, protect yourselves. Be alert. Stay away from those who will deceive. Be determined. And be absolutely patient until the day in which Christ comes to be with us and we with Him forever. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that we could have this time in Your Word. I thank You for this body of believers. And I pray, Lord, now as we turn our attention to this observance of remembering Christ through the elements of the Lord's table, that he would be the one who is glorified and honored. In his name we pray. Amen.